Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. Let's get to our man Garrett. Garrett's an official. Garrett, what do you think about all this? Hey, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Appreciate all that you do. So I officiate high school sports in the Sacramento area, baseball, basketball, football, just about all of it. And recently I had a basketball game, a high school basketball game where – Um, You know, the kids that are at the game, they're freaking out. They're supporting their team. And I had a coach 10 feet away from me who was out of my vision. But, I mean, he was right there screaming for a timeout that I just did not hear. Mm -hmm. And the reason I didn't hear is because as an official, you are so focused on what is happening directly in front of you with the players Mm -hmm. because that's who you're officiating. They – you have to be able to block out a lot of the periphery noise that's going on. So, you know, in, in other games that I've been a part of, you, you try to be mindful of, yes, how many timeouts does this team have? Uh, what's the situational awareness? You know, is it at a point of the game where there's a possibility a coach is going to be calling for time? Mm-hmm. And you even go to the extent of telling the coach, hey, if you're going to call your timeout, make sure I see you. If that means you're running 10 feet onto the court and waving your arms and calling time, then do that because we want to make sure to award that timeout before something happens that's counter to how the game flow is working, mm-hmm. like what happened with the with Chauncey Bellis and that double dribble. Um, now, all that said, if the official, as an official, we obviously make mistakes and we miss things, there are magic words that if you use those magic words, there's nothing that we can do. We have to issue penalties on that. So let me ask you something real quick, Garrett. How much in in a situation like that would you rely on, like in this case it was Bill Kennedy on the opposite, how much would you rely on your, your, your team, the other officials out there, to keep an eye on what's going on on the sidelines or what's going on with the coaches? Uh, absolutely. You, you work as a team. You are the third team on the court. So you're meeting throughout the game and discussing situations of what's happening. And, you know, if, if your partner is there, um, you know, if they have a direct line of sight, you're working together and hoping that your partner sees that timeout being called and awards it. You know, if, if they have that view, they're, they're keeping their head on a swivel. They're watching players, keeping an eye on the coach. And the moment the coach make that signal, even if it's not in your zone of what you're covering, you award that because you want to make sure that that happens. Mm-hmm. So okay. a lot of it's situational awareness uh, and just being mindful of, okay, what's the situation in this game right now? What is possible and what could happen? And with something like that, you just have to be aware of, of that possibility. And the moment you, you see it, you acknowledge it, you call the timeout. Appreciate you, yeah. uh, Garrett. Sorry sure. we speak so badly and, about you guys. And 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 I would even be a little more to to uh, to Garrett and what he's got going on because number one, there's no replay center, and hmm. there's two refs in a high school game, mm-hmm. and everything that's going on there as opposed to what's going on in the NBA. And what he talked about, like, I, I repeat myself, I guess, and you know, not hearing Chauncey is completely reasonable. Not hearing the timeout from the guy who called the double. Dr- Completely reasonable. Turn. He's focused on this. Might even be looking for a jump ball, whatever the case may be. It's it's completely number thirty. He's got to see. He's got to help his guy out and see that. And then the replay center, they've got to step in. Situation. And so so not only do you get the call wrong, but then you 
you pissed this guy who's mad at you for getting the call completely wrong. I just, yeah, I thought given the game scenario, and, and again, you know, Gary alluded to it, we don't know. We don't know what was said. Um, but, I'd given, ask, but I'd ask him, I'd agree to show some restraint there. Given, no, I, I understand what I was going to say is given the scenario, you can't, I don't, that, I think that's the wrong call. Mm-hmm. You, 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 I think calling two technicals in that second, in, in that moment, is what make people look at officiating in the league sometimes with a side eye. Mm-hmm. Like, wait a minute, this team's up by one and you just called two technicals on them? Mm-hmm. On a home floor? Mm-hmm. Or for, for, for Chauncey, on the away floor? Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. I don't know, man. That's a tough look. That's a tough look for everybody. You know, involved. you know one thing that I don't like about, um, about I guess it's in every sport, um, but we'll talk about basketball right now. Is that you can't, you can't take back a technical. Right. You, you can. Know what I mean, res- like, yeah. You you can, but you can't take back the points. Right, you can't right. take like back. You do like, it afterwards. That's after what I hate. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. like if if. You know, Bill Kennedy is mm-hmm. there, and the guy gets gets a technical or whatever. Uh, Chauncey gets a technical, and they huddle up. And, hey, what did you see? What did he say? What happened on the double dribble? Maybe you can't reverse the call, but you're like, you know what? Let's take away one of the technicals because we might have we might have missed that one. Mm-hmm. Might have missed that one. So let's take away one of. But I I don't like that when the tech is made, it's it's there regardless of what happens, at least for that game. Yeah. Yeah, you can rescind fines and you can rescind number of technicals. Do you think the, they're gonna win the the protest? No, I've never. Has it? Has that it's ever happened, happened before? before? I forgot how it happened, but the Lakers and the was I alive? Hawks, yeah, Shaq played in or something. Lakers and the Hawks had to play the final. I don't remember that at all. Final like seventeen seconds of a game. Oh, I think I do remember that. Yeah, two thousand eight. Was the last time a team won a protest? I think I do remember that. What well, I don't remember what, what the protest that was. was. Lakers Hawks. What what happened when that? The refs. Um, he had to sit like the last six seven minutes of the game or whatever because the ref said he fouled out with six fouls, but he only had five fouls. <laughs> so they had to play the last seven minutes of a game. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah, the, the two sides. The two sides. Re, yeah, the two sides replayed the end of the game the next time they met. <laughs> What teams were it? Was it Oklahoma? Um, Oklahoma. Uh, or, hold on, I didn't even double check the teams, but yeah, it was Lakers and someone else, or not Lakers, but whoever what team Shaq was on at that point. <laughs> to play the last seven minutes. That's incredible. How did? So that's not well. And and is that that that's. That might not even be an officiating error. That that's a scorekeeper error. Yeah. yeah, that's a. That's a score well, that's, table error. That's that score keeping. And once again, it's that guy who pointed it at Chauncey, the <laughs> right. little chubby guy who laughed. Got Do your him. job. Pal. I think that it was, was, was Heat Hawks. Heat Hawks. That's what it was. Heat Hawks, not Lakers Hawks. Um, but like that's uh, so so in that particular case, that's even crazier too because I'm sure the Heat. Somebody on the Wait, heater is like, no, he's got on. five fouls. Is this a shoot? Was he not even on the team anymore? <laughs> I guess I got to dive deeper into this. Yeah, story. you got to dive deeper basics. into this. This is no dive deeper into this. This is hilarious. <laughs> if he wasn't even on the team when they had to replay that game, when did Shaq get traded to Phoenix? That was probably about 07 or so. Well, no, yeah, 07, well, 08. Okay, this is the, the NBA is absurd. <laughs> Jesus, man, the NBA is that ridiculous. Is funny. <laughs> that is incredible. Absolutely but, but, incredible. Uh, the one thing I'll say to Garrett and and I saw uh Rob Rob Carter was in here too. I understand the game is tough for officials. It's tough. I, I don't dispute that at all. Two things I don't like when it comes to officials is when they act like they're above reproach. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can't talk to them. They they it's it's inconceivable that they got something wrong or they're they've missed some calls or anything else like that. And no, no, you're just wrong. Like, no, this is what happened. Stop. Talk to me like a human being. Talk to me like we're we're engaging. Just like I don't make the perfect call or the perfect play all the time. You might not see something right or you may have missed a call. 
And and they do that entirely too much. Um, the, To answer your original question, no. I don't believe the Blazers are going to win this for multiple reasons. I don't mm. think you can win a protest on a missed call. Mm. If so, man, we really blew this 2001 thing. <laughs> <laughs> Two, Chauncey was right. And the refs were wrong on multiple fronts, but it was really close. And it's not like Chauncey is jumping up and down in front of the official. To, like it's a, it can be classified as a human error miss, mm-hmm. right? If the if the league even classifies it as a miss, because they might not. Mm-hmm. But if they classify it as a miss, it'll be classified as a, just it's, it's human error. And well, they gotta classify it as a human error. No, they is don't. It, they don't have to classify it as that he missed it's anything. Not a, it's not a. It's not a miss. He called a timeout before the double dribble. That's undisputed. They could say. They could say the ball was loose. They could say it was too close. They, there's. There's. A, I think there's it was. A, it was close. But there, it's undeniable. He even signals while Brogdon. Brogdon hadn't even put the ball on the ground yet. Brogdon so was no had turned dribble. when he started to signal, and that's where the double dribble took place. The, but the dribble don't take place till he loses the ball. Yeah, he turned, but he still had to. It's close. Obviously. But there's no disputing he called a timeout before the double dribble. He absolutely did that. So you can say it's human error. That's that could be the reason for it. But there's the timeout right yeah. there. Chauncey's putting the fingers so, together. Well, actually, at that point. I feel like he's calling timeout. Yeah, he here. could be saying. I feel like, it. Yes. I feel like he's screaming timeout. Absolutely. And then and then he's he's not he's right not there. getting it. Ball's, so he starts to emphatically and he signals for it. Yeah, but you see how close this is, right? But it's still. But it. Yeah, I understand. But it's still like if we. If we I talk mean, about what's what's he's calling timeout and Dagnall's calling for a travel or a double dribble. He's I, I thought he, he thought he made the universal travel signal, but he made the universal double dribble signal. Mm. Which I don't know why, but watching a grown man do this is very very funny. <laughs> That's very funny. Shout out Mark Dagnall. I like Chet that doing guy that too. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh go oh, good. Hey, there's good news. We get Chet and Victor again for the has to be the 90th time this oh, season. Dude. That's great. On primetime. <laughs> okay, you're right. It's way funnier when Chet does it. <laughs> My God, look at that dude's arms. Now, Chet. now now I'm stuck on something. How watch how many people in the crowd do it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's this guy on the bottom? What kind of double dribble is that? Sorry for all the radio listeners. Well, look at this guy in the this middle. This guy down here? Yeah, right. Yeah. What kind of signal is that? Watch him. <laughs> what's he doing? <laughs> My man is, hey, hey. <laughs> my man looked like he doing a, a, a new dance from that Soldier Boy record. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, That's so- tough because when, I mean, you had a chance to win a game against Oklahoma City on the road. Go ahead, Jesse. So up there on Shaq, yeah, he wasn't there for that protest because he was traded. So they had to renew all that. That's and he hilarious. wasn't even there. That was also Alonzo Mourning's last game too, I guess. Oh, wow. Not the protest, but the original one. That oh, absolutely man. hilarious. Wow. We'll come back. Steel and KC brought to you by Sky River Casino. Uh, well, yeah, we, we might have some things going on, but if we don't. We got a lot. Well, um, we do. We're looking at about uh, we're looking at about 140 for the good doctor, and we'll, okay. we'll explain what that is okay. in a few minutes. Um, so I want to get your thoughts and everybody's thoughts um, when we come back on um, what Bobby Marks had to say about the Kings at the trade deadline. Okay. Talk about that next here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Dr. Flo Jean Kofor, she may be the next mayor of the city of Sacramento. She's on her way in here to the studio to talk with us a little bit. She was a season ticket holder for 12 years for the Sacramento Kings. Oh, man. And I get the feeling by our conversation yesterday, she may have picked an inopportune time to not renew those season tickets. I think there's a lot of people like that. Yeah, we'll talk to her. Yeah. She's uh, Again, she's coming in studio. She should be here in about 30 yeah. minutes or so. Go ahead. And our man Joe Davidson is going to be with us in the 2 o'clock hour as well. That's right. I just wanted to, I wanted to take a, a second to give a shout-out. Jesse, get the tape ready for this one. Give a shout-out to the Los Angeles Dodgers. It's crazy, wow. right? Shout out to the Los Angeles Dodgers. You know what? No, I'm cutting that for, for real, yeah. No, nah, I mean, look, hey. We'll play it next Tuesday hey, about 320. Hey, oh, man, yeah. hey. I got to do what I got to do here. Cut all of the context out. Just no, I'm, sure. I, yeah, yeah. yeah, I know the drill. Trust <laughs> yeah, me. Just get that one part. No context. But no. I, I came across a story yesterday that the Los Angeles Dodgers have resigned, re-signed outfielder Andrew Tells who has schizophrenia, and he hasn't played for them since 2018. And to give him access to the team's health insurance and mental health services, mm. that's why they resigned him. Tolles is not expected to play for the Dodgers this season, but signing with the team will allow him to continue to receive treatment, oh, including salute. counseling, therapy, and medication. That's good stuff. So uh, I thought that was awesome. That's great stuff. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, he and he was a – not that it matters, but he was like a, a really up-and-coming – player for them and you know the the schizophrenia just had him wilding out off a little bit and he, he spiraled and uh that was a that was a while ago i think this 2018, 2018 so yeah. and they're still they're still right there with him man so i see good stuff going down man i don't care what what team you with man i gotta show some respect what was the that. team that you love again the giants no i didn't even say anything above yeah, i said I i'm giving a shot i'm showing respect see the media this why this this right, why say, say, don't say, talk to say you love the Giants then. I love the Giants. What, don't you gonna mash that up? I can cut the love see, now. See, see, I knew see? that. That's my producer. I knew that. That's my producer that. well, right I there. I tell you, man. I, That's my producer. That's right why De'Aaron don't talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> De'Aaron don't talk to you media people, man. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's why Harrison don't talk to y'all, man. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Harrison, uh, you said you had uh, something on Bobby Marks. Yeah, so Bobby Marks, he did a um, one of his great pieces. He always does very great extensive pieces. pieces. Yeah, very extensive. I don't. I got to be honest with you, Bobby. I don't care if I. <laughs> I don't know if I care about what Portland is doing at the trade deadline. Hey, but those yeah, that's people why he in the man. Do. That's why he the man. But he he had a a, a piece on ESPN where he talked about a trade. I think he did it for both conferences, but this one was um, one trade for every team in the Western Conference. And obviously I went straight down to the Sacramento Kings, Mm -hmm. and his trade for the Kings would be Harrison Barnes, Davion Mitchell, and a first and second rounder for Jeremy Grant. And I got to be honest with you, I'd do that in a heartbeat. Yeah. I wouldn't even think twice. So, yeah, <laughs> not even think twice. Is there a discussion to be had here? I, I do that. <laughs> I, some people probably wouldn't want to give up the the picks like that, but I do that in a heartbeat. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I don't care. How many drafts has Monty had? Three, three or four, four. Yeah, Davion, Tyrese, not not in order. Davion, Tyrese, Keegan, mm-hmm. and then this past no year. one. Well, no first round pick. Right, because he got Kobe Jones, and so he's he's had a draft and he's acquired people. But to your well, I, you're right. I get what you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, Ramsey said that's too much. Um, I'm I'm okay. First and a second for Jeremy Grant. I mean, you look at Jeremy Grant; he's going to be a guy. You that, said a first and a second, or two firsts? First and a second. First and so one first and one second. <laughs> Davion and Harrison. I didn't even hear that right. 
Oh, I'm, you were ready, I, I do it you right ready now. to do two first? I thought it was two first. Yeah, he said a first rounder and a oh, second rounder. Oh, hey, Monty, <laughs> make the call. If Bobby Marks says you could do it, this uh, isn't trade machine nonsense. Right. No, this, this is Bobby Marks. This is Bobby Marks. So you, you definitely can get it done. Yeah, I would do that in a heartbeat. Now that's why Harrison doesn't talk to us. Because <laughs> we do stuff like Sorry, this. Harrison. Love HB. <laughs> Love HB. Always will. Whether he's a king or not, I always have mad respect for Harrison yeah. Warren. Oh, man, HB, HB, a good dude and is a good king, man. So, got love for him. But one of the things that Bobby talked in that situation. <laughs> and that keeps Kevin here. That's what I, so, Yo. so, so, one of the things that he talked about in that piece, Bobby Marks did, and I, I think we've talked about it, but you, you, it's about covering all bases, right? And he talked about Malik Monk. And he was like, there's no way they're trading Malik Monk. He's their mm-hmm. fourth best player. They love him. They want to bring him back. But because of his contract, he he said it as in the first year, they can only offer him $13 million. Now, what you can do after that, James Ham has talked about it. But in the first year, I think he said you can only offer him 13 And he said, that's probably why you don't want to include Herder. Because you have to, regardless of what we think about Malik staying and loving it, you can't just get rid of Herder assuming Malik is going to stay. And I agree with that 100%. Mm -hmm. Like you, and that would probably, unless you got, had a conversation, you know, had that Siakam Pacers conversation where somebody said, no, it's it's good. Mm -hmm. Do what you got to do. He's coming back. Mm -hmm. Unless you've had that, I don't think you can include. Kevin Herter in any com- trade conversations at this point. It's a good call. Yeah, it's a great call. Yeah. So, I think I think that's the way they're going to move about things moving forward because you have to have that safety net because there's a, there's only a certain amount of money you can give Malik Monk. So you, you have to have that that safety net, and I think that eliminates Herter from trade conversations. If it was me, that's a good call. Yeah, that's a great great call. Um. Yeah, I like the idea of Jeremy Grant. I mean, obviously, if Bobby Marks did it, the money works. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, Bobby's not going to say. Yeah, Kessler yeah, Edwards. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Right. Like he he he's going to make the 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 money work. Um. Last regular season trade was in fact uh, Kessler Edwards mm-hmm. uh, for Sacramento. You, you know, another thing, Bobby, and this is why we... Monty we, McNair's made 17 trades. That's great. I didn't think he made that many trades. That's wild. Didn't feel like he has. Yeah. 17 trades. You know, another thing, and this is why we love Bobby Marks, because it's not... Bobby Marks, he, he's just straight down the middle. He don't yeah. show any favor, but he keeps it real. Yeah. He, there's no bias involved with Bobby Marks. He keeps it a stack, and he looks at things looks at things like a former front office exec, which is what he was, so he mm-hmm. understands these things. First line of, of that article, the Kings elected, rightfully so, mm-hmm. to not use their cap space to add free agents last summer, instead renegotiating the contract with all-star DeMontis Sabonis, extending Harrison Barnes, and re-signing Trey Lyles. He gets it, Tim Bontemps. He understands what this is. He also wrote uh, how the Kings approach the deadline should be based on one factor. Mm. Has the current roster already peaked with its potential? Mm. The answer to that will be easier to evaluate in the offseason after a consecutive playoff appearance, not in early February. Mm. One misguided trade and Sacramento could go from a top, top six team to a playing contender. I thought that was – that was – Interesting. Yeah, that line? Yeah, how he just talked about, like, you don't evaluate whether you've peaked now. That's yeah. something that you do after two full seasons. Hypothetically, if nothing happens from a trade perspective, um, do you think the vibes change February 9th? Maybe. Maybe because, and I say maybe because, say there are people on there who are just like 
kind of disengaged because of the trade talk and, you know, the uncertainty of what's going on. Maybe once February 9th gets here, they're, all right, I'm here, I'm good. All right, we're, we're going to try and make this run. But they could also say, well, these discussions are coming soon, so it's just putting off the inevitable. So I'm still not really. Yeah, but you've got a season to finish now. Like there's there's know, a difference. You've got a you've got a you've got you've got a pot of gold at the end of the tunnel. I understand. I, I but I Whereas now I, all you have is February. Yeah, I, I understand, but I I could understand or I don't know if I understand. I feel like you but could do I that could every see. year. Yeah. But I, also, I, I think there's people who who are wired like that. I don't know if any mm-hmm. of these people are. I'm just saying people who are wired like that were like all right, yeah, you kept me around now, but you're just going to get rid of me in the summer. I got a career to protect. I got to make sure I'm not hurt, you know, for my for my next, you know, team or whatever. You got a career to protect. You got to put, as Mark Jones says, some money on tape. You would think they should, you'd think that'd be the case right now. <laughs> well, I think there's more than just the trade deadline stuff. I think the trade deadline stuff might be looming for – one particular individual, but like for Herder, I don't think that's it. Mm. I don't think that's what it is. You get to February 8th. That's two weeks from today, mm-hmm. tomorrow, excuse me. It's two weeks from tomorrow. And I don't, we haven't seen Chris Duarte in a minute. That is over. The, the, the Kevin Herter, Chris Duarte, it's, it's, it's right. over. And now you're two weeks further into this, and maybe finally, perhaps for the first time, you can settle into this season without worrying about what Mike thinks of you or not. So while the trade deadline has passed and you certainly got that component, you're also two more weeks into you're the starter. You're playing minutes now, even though Mike still gets a little weird with Kevin Herter's minutes, but I think that's more based on Malik Monk than it is on Chris Duarte or anything else. I think that could provide another level of, or a different level of, of comfort. And I'm, it's probably not the yeah. right word to use, but you know what I'm saying here. Yeah, uh, no, a I level of security headed into the final, the final stretch of the season. Yeah. No, that's a great point. That's a great point. And like you said, his situation is different from, you know, a couple of the other guys on it, the Davions mm-hmm. and the Harrisons. Who, mm-hmm. um, it, it feels like their thing is the trade deadline, not, just their uh, their their spot in the rotation or starting lineup or anything like that. I honestly think, man, I think Mike missed a little bit. With the Kevin Herter situation? With Kevin Herter, with Davion, I think he missed. I do too. And I and I get like I get like wanting to try Keon. Mm-hmm. And I get that Keon Keon brought some things to the floor for sure, but like you abandon it pretty quickly. And it's like you were with Davion until Clay Thompson hit a shot over him. And it's almost like, and I'm not suggesting this is what he did, but from a perspective, it looked like he just went, man, this kid's too short. Keon, you could do that, right? Keon, go do it. That's absolutely not what Mike did. Sure as hell is what it feels like. And and then he kind of got, oh, maybe Keon really can't do it. He provides some energy. I'm gonna go back to Davion now, and I don't, I, I don't like that. I don't like that. I, I, I didn't, I didn't like it last year, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But I, I got it. Like you were, you were, you were trying to figure something out. It still feels like your next guard is important, yeah. and I don't think it's an accident that Davion played a day after Mike Brown said, "I'm playing De'Aaron and Malik too much." And we saw Davion play 22 minutes for the first time at God knows how long. Yeah. And, and played effective, in my opinion. And I just I just watched him play the other day against Atlanta, finally get back out on the court, and I just kept thinking to myself, um, man, it feels like this guy could help. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and it's maybe I'm wrong, missed the boat. There's things I don't see or whatever the case may be. But, you know, this is a guy that I feel like could have – could have helped along the way. And if you would have, like you said, handled that situation a little differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and and not say, and I understand there's times when you got to do what you got to do as a coach. And I'm not even saying that Mike Brown didn't do what I'm about to say. But, man, found a way to empower Davion instead of 
having them on pins and needles or, or, or not feeling confident or comfortable with what's going on. I felt like you could have got a, a, a lot out of him. But I, I still think you can. I don't, like if he stays, if he's not traded um, and he's here for the rest of the season, I think he could be a, a valuable piece to what this team is trying to do if utilized the right way. I also don't think you ever have to wonder if Davion wants to play. Like if they, like is it, the stories are legendary. There's Davion probably hadn't taken a day off, no pun intended, in like five years. Mm-hmm. Like that man was filming internet series in a gym. Like that dude wants to play. He wants to be better. Yeah. For a player like Davion, I don't know him, but watching him and and listening to him for a player like Davion, tell him what you need. Maybe Mike has. Mm-hmm. But I would tell him, this is what I expect of you on a night-to-night basis. This is what I need of you. You talk about empowering. I'm giving you the opportunity to do this. Mm-hmm. Go do it. This is what I need from you on a night-to-night basis. Yeah. And, again, maybe Mike has done all that, yeah. and, it's, and, it's, and it's fallen short for him. But just the way that Davion, just, just what we see from Davion, at, like from the outside, mm-hmm. man, it seems like that's the type of stuff he'd thrive on. Yeah. Like that's, that's where he becomes great. Yeah. And and Kyle Johnson could in, become great. in the chat, he says the Davion numbers are dark. He usually kills them on both ends. Uh, in the numbers, um, I see him. I can't dispute those numbers. Sometimes it's, you know, a little because you're talking about defensive rating when he's on, when he's not. I mean, yeah. there's so many variables. It's like plus minus for me. You know what I'm saying? So I don't want to completely say he just brings everybody down or, or anything like that, but um, – Sometimes you got to go with the numbers. It's also like what first wise. What are we talking about with this defense? Like what 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 are we really seeing here? Does anyone the numbers the 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 ranking they're better defensively this mm-hmm. year. They're closer to where we want, we, we wanted them to be. Mm-hmm. That's a ranking. Mm-hmm. Does anybody think that this team is good defensively? They I So like what like what they, they just kind of there defense. And is it Davion's fault? Right, no, it's not. But it's it's not Deanne's fault. It's not Malik. It's not a single individual's fault. Mike had, you know, this idea of to be a contender, you got to be better defensively. Mike is probably right. History says we. History says Mike is a hundred percent right. Mm-hmm. But the problem with Mike's approach is those teams that we went through all had defensive players. Right. It's great to say you want to be better defensively. It's like every offseason, every single offseason, coaches say, well, we want to play fast. We want to play fast. We're going to play with tempo. And it's great for two weeks until you realize your team isn't constructed to play fast. Mm -hmm. Now teams are building themselves to play fast. And you have to build yourself to play a certain way defensively. And the Kings aren't built that way. Yeah. No, you're 100. So to expect correct. them to suddenly become a defensive team is a little misguided. Exactly. Though I, Mike was clear, he's not talking about being the number one defense in the league, number two defense in the league. He's talking about being better defensively. They are better. Mm-hmm. The numbers bear out that they're better defensively. Now, where has that gotten everyone? Nowhere. <laughs> the bigger issue is Nowhere. the bigger issue is as as Bobby Marks points out in the article, as Mike pointed out over the weekend. Their historic offense went from one to twelve, and there, like I looked up, I just did, I did the Kenny Caraway, I did points per game, I did not do offensive, I did not Usually do offensive rating. I, really I think if the Kings were in the same spot, if the in, in terms of like I think it was one hundred and twenty points per game, some like give or take something like that, one hundred and twenty mm-hmm. point something points per game last year, that would put them like third or fourth this year. So that that number that was clearly number one last year mm-hmm. would get you like four, and they're not at that number. Mm. They're a couple of points below. They're I think in the one eighteen range. So that's got them I think in point again points per game around seven. Mm. So the offense looks different than it did last year. But I think what bugs Kings fans the most is just the vibes are different. Yeah. Like things feel different. You have. I, th- I think there there strikes going on. People aren't talking to the media. This is going on now. There's now there's factions being formed within f- with fan groups that these guys don't need to talk to the media. You guys are this. You guys are that. And it's all like, man, that's why that's why we was talking. To this when you came in the other day, like, yeah, the beam got lit. 
And that's why some people were like, eh, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like it just feels like there's a, a heightened level of frustration right now. Yeah. And part of that was we expected them to be better, and they're about the same, mm-hmm. but Minnesota's better. Oklahoma City is better. Denver is Denver. They're the world champions. The Clippers are on a tear right now. Mm-hmm. Phoenix is lingering. Mm. And it, it and then Dallas, in my opinion, is overachieving. So you're left with like, oh crap. Where are we? Yeah. I and so what we talked about last year, things are things are gonna be different this year. It's not happy go lucky. It's mm-hmm. not um you know, oh, just the win is good enough. You're going to have to string together some wins. Yeah, You're going to have to uh, get people believing that there's a, at the very least, there's more than what we see right now capable from this team. And that, and I'm just saying that's what a lot of people are going to feel. I don't know if that's necessarily fair, but Stephen A. said fair is where you judge pigs. Yeah, what are you judging the pigs on? <laughs> I don't know. That's what they do, though. At the what kind of? What kind of? I think they weigh them. Weigh them. They. I think they poke them a little bit. Make sure, like, tender. Or I don't know. That sounds terrible. That's where they judge pigs, though. Oh, uh, uh, do they eat the pig? Eventually, because you said they see if it's tender. Probably eventually, that's terrible. I know. I'm just saying that's what happens. Where's is this? Doesn't happen at the California State I don't Fair, think it does happens. it? No. No, I don't think it happens at the, at the California State Fair. Wait, what? Um, judging the pigs? Yeah. Yeah, because they have like the FFA programs, right? Like in high schools, like the agriculture. Yeah, I think they do that here. Mm. Oh, well, I maybe don't... they judge them. I don't know if they, you know, finish the job. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Dude, come on. Yeah, of course. Like we all eat bacon. Like, yeah. No, we all don't. Not yeah. all of us, but majority of California. I do. Yeah. Were you going to ship him out to Oklahoma? Good kid, Dad City says it happens at the fair. <laughs> All right. Is that Dr. Flo? Is Dr. Flo here? Oh, she is. Hey, so let's step out. Uh, we'll come back. I know, I know it's a little early, but we'll step out. We'll come back. Uh, we'll talk to uh, Dr. Flo Colfer, who might be the next mayor of the city of Sacramento. Mm. Uh, we'll have some fun uh, next on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. Hold on. Did you just find out Little Caesars was based in no, Detroit? For, Is that for, what happened? No, I just forgot about it. Oh. I forgot about it. I like Little Caesars, oh, okay. but I ain't no getting no Little Caesars this week. We hey, have I, great local pizza also. We so do. Like, well, you know my favorite. My favorite is Slim and Huskies. Absolutely. That's number one in absolutely. the city for me. Are you that a voice slim you or hear? a husky one? Ooh. Huh? Are you a slim or a husky one? A husky. Okay. I get All that right. C-No Green right. every time, okay. and it's, you know, right. it's, 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 it's about to be gone. <laughs> yep. That voice you hear is uh, mayoral candidate, Dr. Flo Kofer. Uh, Dr. Flo, thanks for hanging out with us today. I was talking to, to, to Dr. Flo yesterday. She's a Kings fan. Mm-hmm. 12-year season ticket holder. <laughs> Good stuff. There we go. I mean, you, where, where are you sitting at now, you, Coach? You, you where are where that? Where you, that? You, hear, you hear her laughing, and <laughs> I'm just curious. What's the, what, are you, what, are you, what are you laughing about? <laughs> Uh, there's an, a, an episode of This American Life where uh, they interview the guy who was in the room when someone proposed the Internet. And he said he, he literally quit the job and was like, this is a terrible idea. And this company is going nowhere. And every time I think about telling this story, that's what pops into my head. So 12 years, season ticket holder. Kings winning like 27 games a season. And I'm there for like. 38 out of 44 home games. Like, yeah. I'm there. I don't leave early, even when we're losing. Like, I'm there till the till the bitter end. Yeah. And last year, I said, you know, life is picking up. I'm getting mm. busy. Maybe I don't renew this year. Oh, no. Because I oh, just don't no. know that I have time to attend as many games. They make great gifts. But, you know, it's just – it's a lot. And yeah. – I'm going to go ahead. I'll, I'll come back. Oh. And it is the first time that we go to the playoffs. And mm. all season, I was just like, what? Mm. <laughs> who does that? 12 years invested. That started, it, started when we were, you know, over at the Power Balance Pavilion, oh, God, former Arco, right? Yeah. Moved to the new stadium. Yeah. That hurts. It's that like hurts, a, Doc. You, you ever seen that meme? <sighs> 
that meme where the guy's like digging through a tunnel and there's like a giant pot of gold and he turns around and yeah. quits like that that close yes. before yeah. getting yes. that's yes, what Dr. Flo me. did. It's Dr. one of those success uh memes or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Stop right you just before. Don't, you never yeah. know when you're gonna like you never know whether and I kept talking to myself about sunk cost theory, right? Mm. Which is the idea, well, I put so much time and energy in it, I don't want to walk away now. Mm. And that often convinces us to continue doing things that don't work right mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. and so then we look up and we've spent even more time and money on something that went so i was like i don't want to be one of those sunk cost people and it just so happens that that's the very year that see the problem for me is i have the uh opposite thought about money i'm like what i say five years yeah. i'm not gonna remember this 200 dollars. kenny's a horrible ex- <laughs> he's a, he's a- <laughs> in five years i'm not gonna remember this 200 dollars. let me get it now kenny's, but, I, but i'm gonna remember the these shoes example. that i got forever yeah, Forever. That's I mean, experiences are important <laughs> ways to spend our resources. His so wife remembers the money three years well, from now, though. Listen, <laughs> she's listen. Not, some money you forget, some money you remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's a tough story. That's a tough story. But the good news is if you become mayor, I'm pretty sure we can get you in there for <laughs> we could get you in there for free. I mean, but. I want to support the Kings. It wasn't about, you know, I, and I love going to live sporting events. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad coached girls basketball. So um, from a young age, I was around a lot of sports um, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania originally. So, you okay. know, my 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 whole region roots for the Steelers um, <laughs> and the Pirates and the Penguins. So yeah. it was nice to move to Sacramento, which doesn't actually have a team. So I know everybody like, you know, kind of goes for the Niners or the Raiders, but technically I'm not betraying anybody by maintaining my allegiances to Pittsburgh teams. Mm -hmm. And then I can root for the Rivercats and the Kings and all bases are covered. So it it really is nice to go to feel the energy in the space and be a part of, you know, a live audience watching. And I went to Michigan for grad school. So the big house, you know, I had season tickets. Let's go, baby. Come on, come on. You gotta you gotta put some respect on. Let's go, man. We ain't playing out here. National champions. National champions. National champions. But what? Let's go. Y'all can do this without me. Like, I don't even need it. You know what's funny is the person who connected us is a Ohio State fan. He's from listen, Cleveland. Listen, you know, when you mess up big, you know what right is, right? So, I mean. That's a bar. Right? It's a bar. You know, like. That's a bar. Out here misusing articles and stuff. It's it's <laughs> the Ohio State. I mean, I'm sorry. How many games did it, your head hey, coach actually coach this hey, year? You know, that yeah, look, we won. Look, look at this, Doc. They can be. <laughs> The Ohio State. We're the national champs. How right. about that? How about that? God damn it. Also, spelling a four-letter word shouldn't be a group sport. I keep trying to explain that to them. Wow. It just shouldn't be. A, it shouldn't be. I'm sorry. It just. It's four done, letters. Should have done more research. State and your school. I found Spellman. I, I missed the. Spellman. Listen, I my miss, schools are doing well this year. Great. Spellman doesn't have sports teams. They actually did away with sports to be able to invest in wellness um, mm. a few years back. But Spellman just got the largest contribution of any HBCU, $100 million from board members. Mm. So I was like, 2024, we got no championships for Michigan. Spellman's getting the largest you know, contribution to an AD ever. I'm like, uh, you know, I always... now I get to be mayor. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Here in Sacramento, I always talk, man, I've talked about this with Damien, uh, California kid, born and raised here in Sacramento. I went to junior college, Sumnus River, mm-hmm. ended up going to Cal State, mm-hmm. East Bay, used to be Hayward when I was mm-hmm. there. Um, one of my regrets in life is that I did not go to an HBCU. Mm-hmm. I thought that all the time. I wish I could go to Howard. I wish I Morehouse mm-hmm. or even Morgan State or something. I wish I could have went to HBCU. How was that experience for you? It was amazing. Honestly, there is something so incredibly powerful about being in a space where you are one of many people who share kind of your demographics, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're at the school, there are 2,000 other black women. Mm-hmm. And, you know, half of them were prom queen and valedictorian, and, right? All these things. So all these little ways that, you know, in your little small bubble of, of elementary, middle, and high school that you thought, mm-hmm. you know, you stood out. Now you're being lumped in with a bunch of people who are all of those things and also black women. Right. And so now it's your opportunity, you know, at the beginning of 
of your adulthood to be able to actually figure out who you are, mm. like outside of having to be the representative, mm-hmm. you know, because you're the black person in class or because mm-hmm. you're the right, like to actually figure out like, what do you like? And I will never forget. There's a friend of mine who I will not name, but she grew up in a, in a school where there were only like five, you know, black students. And we were reflecting on our freshman year. And I said, you know, what, what's one thing you loved and you learned? And she said, I learned that I don't have to be friends with all black people. <laughs> and I was like, you came to HBCU and figure it. She was like, no, grow it. Like, we, there were five of us. We had to hang out. And she was yeah. like, but I'm looking back on some of these relationships going, if we had a greater diversity of people, mm-hmm. I probably would have chosen the more science oriented as opposed to the artsy. But like, mm-hmm. we, I mean, it was great. Like, I don't have anything against them, but I just learned that. You know, like we have diversity within our community and that there are very different types of black people. And that was really liberating for her because she got to actually explore what were her real interests as opposed to what were her representational interests. Right. And that's just really powerful. Was leaving an HBCU and going to Ann Arbor an adjustment? Yes and no. I mean, on one hand, it was. On the other hand, there were a lot of students who came from HBCUs who went to uh, you went to University of Michigan. So I had even in my my MPH cohort, there were two other students from Spelman um, who were there there. And then there were students all over. And then my best friend growing up, who I'd known since I was four, went to Michigan for undergrad and for grad school. Hmm. Uh, so I got a chance to reconnect with her, and I'm you know made a lot of friends. There's a there's a really thriving you know black community at the University of Michigan. And I also got to expand my horizons and, you know, and meet other people as well. So it was really nice to be there. But it wasn't the culture shock that, you know, you might think coming from Atlanta and HBCU. That that episode of Blackish portrayed. Yes, yes. When Andre got out of uh, the HBCU and didn't know how to talk to white people anymore. <laughs> it was not that. <laughs> Hey, HBCU night at the uh, Golden One Center, February, February 22nd. 22nd. Yes. Get up there, yes. man. It's going to be a good Dilo time. Dilo and KC trying to do their live uh, <laughs> afternoon KSFM show from the Golden One Center. Kendra, 100%. if you're listening. Let's make something happen. Yeah. Let's talk. K- KMB, Let's if you're talk. listening. Um, so, you know, on This Is Your Life, you're on Dilo and KC. You said born and raised in Pittsburgh, went to Spelman, went to Ann Arbor. When and how did you get to Sacramento? Yeah, I came to Sacramento about 20 years ago. Uh, I came for a fellowship at the Department of Public Health. And I will admit that uh, I was a, a more of a sight unseen. I think I had been here one time to go to like a museum when I was in the Bay Area visiting some family. And so I moved here like, all right, yeah, I can live in Sacramento for a year. No big deal. Like, I'm, you know, I'm sure it'll be great. It may not be my forever home, but why not? Mm-hmm. And when I took a walk at lunch the first day down Capitol Avenue and saw those palm trees and <laughs> thought about how I'd never have to shovel snow again, I was like... A girl could get used to this because <laughs> I had been in Michigan where like my teardrops were literally freezing in my oh, eye when it was like negative 40 outside. <sighs> and so being here, I was like, this weather could really be a sell. Yeah. But I also just loved Sacramento immediately. It reminded me so much of Pittsburgh, mm. uh, it, you know, with the tight knit neighborhoods, the rivers flowing through it, it being a midsize city, kind of mm. trying to figure out what its place is mm. in a state that has other larger cities. And so this place really appealed to me. And I also... At that point, it was really clear that the type of work I wanted to do in public health needed to be in a place that was willing to be innovative and forward thinking because otherwise I was going to be, you know, doing righteous work. Right. But doing work that was was like fighting battles that had been won elsewhere. I wasn't going to be on the cutting edge. I was going to be on just kind of trying to maintain. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing, you know, reproductive health and you're in Georgia or other states, like you're just trying to maintain rights. Whereas here we're trying to push forward on what's possible. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to be on that innovative side. And so that's what really attracted me. So I came here for a fellowship. The palm tree sold me and I've been here ever since. (laughs) (laughs) And and Dr. Flo, the gist of all of this is is you're running for mayor, obviously, for the city of Sacramento. Where is Sacramento right now? Where is Sacramento? Well, uh, (laughs) Sacramento is facing unprecedented challenges. Mm. You know, we are now third behind New York and L.A. when it comes to homelessness. Mm. And that was not the case 10 years ago. Ten years ago, we only had 2,500 people experiencing homelessness, and about 70% of them were sheltered. And so I lived downtown 11 years ago, and it's virtually unrecognizable at this point because it has turned into a tent city. Mm. And now we have 10,000 people on our streets, and 72% of them are unsheltered. So these are the people that we're seeing every day. 
And I know a lot of people will say, you know, the challenge is, of course, you know, back in the 80s, we did away with really the 70s and, um, and before we did away with, you know, mental health services here and substance use. And, you know, these things are out of control. And I'm not denying, you know, that those are major challenges in our community. But the truth is the majority of people experiencing substance use and, you know, and mental health are securely housed. What's mm-hmm. driving this is that the cost of housing has outpaced the cost of wages. Mm-hmm. And we are in just a really desperate situation because the limited rent control we have for some people, it only applies to certain places. And your, your rent can go up almost 10 percent a year, but nobody's wages are. And so even during the pandemic, we saw the highest increase in the cost of living in the country. Mm-hmm. And we used to be the affordable place mm-hmm. in, in California, California where you could come and, you know, and, and be and, and live a good life and have a family. Yeah. And now when I talk to people who are, you know, a decade or so younger, I'm in my early 40s. And, you know, I'm talking to people in their, you know, early 30s, late 20s who are saying, I don't know if there's a future for me here because, I can't afford to get ahead. There's more month than there is money mm-hmm. every month. Mm-hmm. And I can't afford to do the things that would allow me to live a good life here that I'm hearing people could do a decade ago. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.